Hey, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody. What can I say? Crackers. Uh, the Amanda episode, episode number three, Amanda Wanowski, hypnotherapist. That episode has just gone storming out of the blocks and we've had so much lovely correspondence through the socials and through messages and emails and people reaching out and people reaching to each other and sharing um, the episode to people in need. I think we're all in need of a you know sensible talking to from someone who's been through the gears. So really overwhelmed with that. So that was amazing. Um, this week we are going to meet Kieran from Go Deep Flotation, our sponsors. So once again, we are brought to you by Go Deep Flotation. Kieran's going to obviously give you a big insight as to as how it all works. And I've been banging on about it because it's something that I believe is just a magical experience that we should all try and access, especially now it's becoming more and more of an available action for us. GoDeepFlotation.com Contact those guys. Give them the code word CHEW. They'll give you 10% off a float. They'll greet you. They'll meet you. They'll hug you. They'll guide you. And they'll give you 60 minutes of you time that you've never ever experienced in your life. You can't even begin to imagine it and it's so simple. You just sit in that warm, salty water, 600 kilograms or so of Epsom salts in around 11 inches of warm water in a beautiful kind of jacuzzi-like bath with a lid on it with a nice soft LED lighting. And this kind of... I think Kieran's kind of using this kind of uh, almost... Uh, it's like a, a really soft electronic kind of spacey, drifty kind of audio that you have on for 10 minutes when you get into the tank and you drift away and the water is heated to skim temperature. And after about 10 minutes when the audio cuts out and you've started to relax and you, you realise that you can't feel where your body ends and the water begins and you're just, you're just literally floating through the, the galaxy of your mind... And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And you really benefit physically, psychologically. It's endless. You know, if in these intros or listening to this podcast, it's prick your ears up, you know, do a Google, find out, you know, and find a Go Deep near you. GoDeepFlotation.com. It is wonderful. I am blessed to also say to you this week, we're brought to you by a second sponsor. And it is the wonderful Cryolab lincolncryolab.co.uk so listeners of this podcast long time listeners if I can say that who've been listening for a whole three episodes the first two episodes was with Mr Matthew Frost the owner and founder of Function First Martial Arts Academy the academy also hosts Lincolnshire Cryotherapy supercharged recovery from injury or training Get back to training or to work fast. Improve your personal best from tennis, golf or running to weightlifting and martial arts. Whether you're competing or just training for well-being and fun, cryotherapy can improve your sleep, your mood, huge mood elevation while reducing anxiety and stress. There's no, no gap now between elite athletes that have been synonymous with this and ourselves because it's there for us to use. Um athletes are using Matthew's facility traveling across the Midlands to get to the to get to the Lincolnshire Cryo Lab so we can get there it's on Dixon Street Lincoln at Function First Martial Arts 
if you use the code word CHEW, you can get 10% off. And I promise you, you're going to blow your mind. Three minutes stood in this thing, and you will have to buy it down because it's a, it's a strange experience. It's not cold. As you know, cold. It's not anything you can liken it to because we, you know, I guess most people living in our country in England, we think of the cold, you know, some blowy, wet January day, as Matt has said in the past on a previous episode. But this this thing's like, something else it's a really wonderful feeling and when you come out you, you really do get like a or well, i have done on two occasions now a huge like endorphin dopamine rush it's kind of weird you're full of energy but also you feel like you need to just lay down and let your body relax it's it's amazing so we are brought to you by lincolnshire cryotherapy 10 percent off with the code word chew and you can find them at lincoln cryo lab .co.uk. Give them a call, book your first cryo session. I need to say a huge thank you to all the listeners. America and Australia, what's happening? What is happening? We've got listeners, as I mentioned previously, California is popping. I don't know what is going on there, but we've got some, some things we really didn't expect, like Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, New York, Maine. It's crazy and as for australia queensland i don't know what is happening in queensland but if you're listening in queensland right now which a load of you are big hello from little old england thank you very much everybody if you do like this if you enjoy this podcast we say it every week but it means it means everything you know share it with a friend send the link um it really does make all the difference on the socials comment like retweet all those usual things that makes such a, an impact so thank you very much okay then on the episode today we're going to bring in kieran rattigan he's a really warm lovely soul and is you're really gonna you're gonna feel his warmth he's, he's so sweet and such a lovely guy and i want to do something this this week with this episode because kieran's a musician and as his as his story unfolds you know he talks of the things that he's done within music and the bands he's been in and how music's been a constant for him therapeutically and creatively and an outlet, um, something to access, you know, if, amongst the chaos of trying to be a human. Um, and he's got a few demos, a few songs, and one of them I, I want to play today because it shows a side of Kieran that I was quite um, taken with, actually, when, when, it, when I heard it, because he's so sweet, as you're going to hear in this, in this podcast, in this track which is called Now, has got a real kick to it. And you can hear all of the different musical styles that, that Kieran's played over the years. You can hear them all amalgamated. And he plays everything in here. You know, he's produced this, he's mixed this, he's played the drums, he's played the guitars, the bass. He's he's a polymath of music. Um, and I've picked this one personally because I think it just epitomises so much stuff that I really like as well. I mean, there's in the lyrics here, there's an Egypt and people like John Dee who spent time in our fair land, uh, in Leddenham, which I was fascinated to find out, and I know Kieran was as well, as well as, you know, alchemy and ancient magicians, and he even gives a shout to the McKennas. So anybody who knows of Terence McKenna in particular, I would imagine, or Dennis's brother, um, two very famous academics who kind of bent the rules with psychedelics, uh, sort of took the baton from the likes of Ram Das and 
Timothy Leary, um, both ethnoboticists, I guess. Um, but one of the lyrics that stands out, um, you can you can hear. He says, "I've been I've been with the McKenna's getting lost." Uh, they famously went down to the Amazon looking for DMT and ended up finding mushrooms and had a very, very, very vivid time, which you can look up on Google if you're interested in that kind of thing. But this tune's got so much magic in it and it's got a lot of energy and edge. So this is the track. It's called Now by Kieran Rattigan. Okay, without further ado, episode number four of the Chew the Chat podcast with Kieran Rattigan. We have a very interesting subject this morning. The study of magnetism can be traced back to Egypt. And uh, the staff and one of the ancient priests were instruments of magnetic conjury. Ways. 
Flotation Centre. I'm with today's guest, Kieran Rattigan. How are you doing, Kieran? Hi, Sam. Uh, yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks for coming. No, thank you for giving us your time. It's fantastic. I've obviously just uh, come out of a 90-minute float. You have. And you've been quite a few times, actually. I have, yeah. And, and I'm currently... I've got that universal glow that you get when you come out of there. Yeah, that oceanic. Especially in the setting that you've provided here. I mean, it's... It is, it's fantastic. We're currently sat, what would you call this room? Is this this the Reiki? Yeah, I'd say this is like the reception area. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the pre-post float place. You can relax. It's quite minimal, very plain. Um, yeah, and it's really nice that we've kind of turned this into a studio, actually. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. We've got the, uh, the lovely salt lamp, the nice lighting, the resonance the of ambience. the float. Yeah, you know, it is, it's really the ambiance. It's lovely. No, and thank you so much for putting this together. And that's, I guess, what I want to get at today, really, is yeah, exactly. how did you arrive at Go Deep? And, mm. you, you know, you've got a... Yeah, I mean, um, well, when did it start? Um, well, we like to go back. I, you know, this is, I guess I should give you a quick insight. It's because mm-hmm. this podcast is brand new. Chew the Chat podcast and what what I'm I guess fascinated by is like stories, journeys, where it all begins so for you I guess, you know, let's let's take it back let's go back to what was it like, what was childhood like, you know, where were you, how was um, it and what shaped you? Yeah, I mean I grew up in Waddington in Lincoln not far away from where we are um, born and raised really, really happy upbringing great parents um, super loving mum was amazing dad worked hard um I was always really really theatrical as a child my mum was very my mum was an opera singer so she was always practicing in the dining room and and it really gave me a burst of god yeah that's some power I mean I never really thought about it in that way oh man it was huge I mean I think when I was younger um I remember the first time I must have been about four but I realized sound can move things (laughs) <laughs> literally yeah man because she I'd be watching the TV and she'd come in and cl- close the double doors join the dining room and she would give me that look of like it's going to get loud and I'd be like oh for God's sake because I'd hate it um, I didn't hate it really um, but yeah when she'd hit like a crescendo note whenever she, whatever she was singing Pirates of Penzance or Carmen or, or anything wow um, the glass would vibrate and she'd be, you know, five metres across the room. And it, I remember looking across to the left of me and like seeing the glass shake and thinking, man, music moves things. So your mum was an opera singer then. So how does that gig come around? I mean, is there a, li- is there a lineage in the family? I mean, is there... I think she was always, um, I mean, it started with my mum as far as I can work out. My granddad, my granddad was always very musical. And I think really introduced her to essentially what we were talking about with your children and our child as well. You know, it, it was there. The guitar was there in the okay, house. Okay, yeah. So so pre-podcast, we were just discussing yeah. 
your your new boy and, and, and our kids, yeah, and I guess music instruments and music being around in the environment. Definitely. And she and she really took a shine to like the arts and singing um playing guitar as well. And I think when when she was sixteen, I think when the Queen came to open up she could, the Queen came to Cathedral and she actually played to the Queen. She was wow. selected by Branston College to uh, play to the Queen, so she played a cover and one of her own songs. Um and she was always doing work at the Theatre Royal. She could have gone really serious with it. Um, she was really classically trained and everything, but she, she wanted to have kids. Yeah. And she she never let up about that mm-hmm. being an issue, but she mm-hmm. always kind of made it. The priority she, was sort of, do you think, overriding, yeah, to be with her kids. Yeah, she loved it, definitely. Mm. Um, mm. But she still always made a lot of time for herself and acting. And uh, that leads me on to say like as I was a, when I was a child I was very I was very extra, extrovert and I was very theatrical mm-hmm. loud mm-hmm. didn't know when to stop talking would always interrupt <laughs> people and that led on into my teenage life uh-huh. just I didn't really know what silence was if I was honest mm-hmm. and as you kind of progress in a spiritual journey if that is the avenue that you take you would learn to realise that silence is golden mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I get out from the tank as well, it mm-hmm. really reminded me, my my first float was how much I fucking talked. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly guilty of that as I sit here striking up a podcast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so a great first guest, Kieran. <laughs> no, it's great. No, but I... Uh, yeah, so, I mean, um, really got into mindfulness... No, I think it was when I went... I had a bit of a, not a midlife crisis because I was only... I think I was 23. Um, and I was just feeling a change within me around 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know what it was at the time, no. really. Yeah. It was quite... I wasn't reading anything. I was mm-hmm. quite arrogant, I think. Right. Ignorant in any sort of delve into the mind or anything. Mm-hmm. I was all very much... It's out, it's out here that's important. You know so I mean? do you feel like then... You know, coming back to to your mum singing and having that kind of that coloured environment, that kind of creative environment. Do you think that set you up for that for that kind of openness in a way as yeah. you as you've grown, as you've matured, Definitely. you know, as you've gotten older, you know, an ability to like you say you're listening to yourself talk, but you've you've gotten to a point where you've recognised that mm-hmm. and you and you 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 keep progressing into silence in a time <laughs> to the point where you set up a business. But with you, I mean, take us back to your mum. What You said your dad was hardworking. Yeah, he's a mechanic. Right. Um, he's got his own business. He's been a mechanic for, for years, to be fair, ever since mm. I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my mum worked. Um, she was, I mean, she was a you know, stay-at-home mum as well. When we were growing up, when she had a second child, she wanted to be at home more more of the time mm-hmm. um, and did productions as well. And then, in, in you know, in, when I was about 10 or 11, mum and dad got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the span of things, you know, it's um, they did it in such a an amazing way. At the time, as a child, you don't really realise anyway, but now I can kind of really reflect on how it all went it was really they did it in such a admirable yeah, amicable way yeah, yeah really you know they kept it all under wraps and they were they were you know you know there were times where pain's pain Kieran isn't it I mean yeah. pain's pain but if you can you know if they've had the wherewithal to recognise mm-hmm. 
do brothers and sisters? Yes, got two sisters. Two yeah. sisters. Yeah, so I'm the middle one, and you're the middle. So yeah, so mm-hmm. three, three, three young kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and as we know now, as adults, when you are in the in the the swing of your own pain, you know, you're falling out with your partner or whoever it may be. You know, you we do lose sight of the peripheral yeah. impact sometimes because that's just that's our ego dealing with the. Definitely. the self isn't it so Definitely. now that's really cool to hear that that your mum and dad you know even in the, in a difficult situation the most difficult situation yeah, I mean, you know it was hard still it was it was mm. weird and it, it does mess you up a little bit when you get older as well mm-hmm. no matter how it's how nice it's done yes a lot of my close friends you know parents were together they had a very wholesome family and um, not to say that mine wasn't wholesome but the, the foundations of such was, were shook quite mm-hmm. a bit and mm-hmm. you know I mean you know, you, you end up having two two step parents, two other families, and it's it, in a way it's, it's beautiful. But you do always look back to that, mm-hmm. them old memories of just like, hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if it could have stayed of that structure. I wonder if how would have things been mm-hmm. or been. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're sort of ten, eleven around the time when when the family breaks up. Yeah, yeah. And then and then what happens there, Kieran? What's the dynamic from there? Um, that's when I really got into music um i was starting secondary school so kind of threw myself into drama and music Mm -hmm. um still talking now singing yeah still on it i mean (laughs) i haven't reached it i haven't reached the peak yet (laughs) yeah i mean i really got into uh playing i played bass in a band and all and um basically my my auntie's next door neighbor was had a son and he was looking for a bass player i didn't know the guy um, I just turned up on his doorstep on a Saturday morning with my tiny little custom amp and my bass guitar that I couldn't really play because I just I was quite a handyman. I thought I could just learn to play bass. Yeah, on the hop, ad hop. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. met him. His name was Sebastian Zeeler. Um, That's a great name, by yeah, the way. Big great. shout out, Sebastian Zeeler. Oh man, yeah. He's. I mean, to be fair, he, I haven't spoken to him for years. He lives in Copenhagen now, and mm-hmm. he's a great. He uh, he founded the Big Oil Recording Company, and he's in a is in a um, project, solo project called TikTok. Oh. Um, it's really innovative music. Um, wow. But he was really inspiring to me. Um, and, and he was a few years older than me. So the, this first band I got into, um, I was 11 and they were about 14, 15, well, 15, 16. Wow. So they were talking about things on Saturday at practice that I just couldn't relate to. But isn't it interesting because coming back to the environment you talked about with your mum, with your mum, you know, it's going to get loud and and singing and kind of providing that colourful kind of confident environment, I guess. Mm, You know, at 11 years old, I mean, and you hear this time and time again with any kind of story, I, I don't want to use the word success, but any kind of story where somebody is determined to get to wherever they've thrown their spot, you know, you, you're, you're turning up on the door at yeah. 11, 11 years old with your bass that you're just thinking, right, I'll play this. I'll make this up on the hop. I just want to get in here and I want to make some noise and these boys yeah. are older, is it? 11, 16-year-old boys are like men, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, when we'd have pizza on a Saturday, it was turned into a re- ritual every Saturday we'd have pizza. But the sort of talks they were having mm-hmm. were like blooming puberty moments. You know, I was just getting like yeah. my first kiss and like yeah. just stuff like that. Gotcha. that I was really at my depth. Um, but yeah, I really, really jumped into Brighton music with them um, and just kind of keeping busy really and, and, and learning that to kind of champion and, and cherish ch- cherish uh, expression outward expression 
So I would I, I would do a lot of drama workshops outside of school as well. Um, and then I think it was year eight or nine. Yeah, I did Bugsy Malone at school. I was Bugsy Malone. Oh, you lead. <laughs> nice. They recognised the talent and the, the confidence. <laughs> it was awesome. great. It was great. So I really did. I think it kind of mirrored my mum in a sense because, you know, she would be out kind of rehearsing maybe twice a week mm-hmm. until seven, eight, well, going out and not coming back till about 10 and mm-hmm. really rehearsing a lot. And I would understand that practice is important. Mm-hmm. So that I've never really... Huge lesson. Yeah. Huge lesson. Because yeah. that's the boring bit, essentially, isn't it? The repetition. Yeah. You know, that's where we all get a little bit stuck, you know. Definitely. But I think uh, it proves time and time again, doesn't it? Yeah. You, know, yeah, you yeah. put those hours in. Definitely. That's interesting to know then. So she she's really sort of affected you oh, definitely. In, in a discipline sense as well then. Yeah, definitely. And she went on to become... Um, she, she was a wedding singer as well um, in, in her later years, up until a few years ago. Um, and she always supported me um, in such a such a beautiful way with the music and creation. She was always at the gigs, talking about the music, mm-hmm. just doing what every great mum does, and just gives yeah. you a hug and just tell you the best. Yeah, yeah, you know? infused and connected. Yeah, definitely, awesome. definitely. Awesome. So yeah, a lot of my inspiration is definitely drawn from her. Yeah, that's yeah, for really, sure. Yeah, that, that, and then discipline as well. That's interesting, you know. You know, so you've got the fun and you've got the ethic as well. There's some ethic in there as well. Yeah, you know? definitely. Getting it done. So where does it go from from this first band? What was that band called, by oh, the way? Oh, God. Um, Contraventum. It Contraventum. Was it was Dan- wow. Danish. Um, I think it means, Sebastian always used to say, I never knew what it meant. Um, I think it means pissing against the wind or something like that in Danish. Um, so yeah, I was in, I was in that band when I was young till, I don't know, I think I was about 14. So I was in with them for about three or four, three years. Oh, so you hung in there then. You learned to play the bass in that time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I learned to harmonise as well. And it, I always struggled, I, I learned to kind of, well, just be in a band really. It was quite intimidating, like you say, with the, with the older chaps, but learn how the motions work and how dynamics work and how people fall out and how people got vision and know when to step back. I mean, me being a young lad, I would just let everyone talk and just, can we start the song, guys? You know, mm-hmm. it was always like that. And there'd be such politics going on. I was, at an early age, I kind of saw... I bet you reaped a lot from that, though. Going back to your Monday morning with your 11, 12, 13-year-old friends, you've sort of come in with a, a weekend or, or a, you know, a kind of... A, you've been on a... Yeah. You've been on some kind of an educational... I think so, yeah. In a way, haven't you? you yeah, know, definitely. Been exposed to that. I mean, my mates would just take the take the piss, I think, at the mm-hmm. time. They'd all be playing on the PlayStation, like, oh, Contraventum, oh, with Seb and Mark, cool. And um, it, was, it was, it was, yeah, it was all in jail. They didn't really know what we were doing, and you, you don't really. Um, but then I got to about 15, was I 15, 14 or 15? And a guy who sat behind me in my maths class... Um, we kind of started getting on well together. Um, and the, I say this because he was a guitar player. I was a guitar player in the year and he learned Metallica one solo over the summer. So I was like, shit, yeah. wow. this guy can play guitar really well. And I, was th- I think I was like year eight or nine and, and he was in a metal band, starting a metal band, metal rock band. No, it wasn't actually. He was starting a band with his mate Ben and he said to me, I want, we want you to come and uh, be the lead vocalist. Do you write? And I was like, yeah, I do write actually. This is great come over and have a practice so I was like this is great because it's the first time in my life I can actually write my own songs I mean I did 
take a couple of songs to the guys, but they were always really nice about it. But like, mm-hmm. Hmm, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, this is what this is what we're really doing. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, so I kind of left. I left them and and and, jo- and joined this band, this this three piece, um, and really started putting myself into it. And, and we really we did a good EP, I think, when I was um, yeah fifteen. Yeah. But what, what year is that then? When you're fifteen, Kieran? Oh God, I'm trying to work it out now. I haven't thought about this in a long time. <laughs> um, Mm. Ten, right? Maybe it's younger actually. So it was year, it was about year nine actually that I joined them, and they were called the Absent Minded. Right. Um, and then they sat down with me about two months after, and I thought everything was roses and it was going really well. And they went, uh, "You've bought too much of your old band with you." And I was like, "What do you mean? Like, mm-hmm. what does that what does that mean? You know, it's a, it's a bit too light. Uh, we want to go metal." So I was like, oh, okay. oh, okay. Okay. I mean, cause the, the original band was very light. Like mm-hmm. it was very, really, really Scandinavian. Yeah. Good, yeah. good melody and yeah. Beautiful melody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were yeah. really good writers. They really thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they went, oh, we want to go metal. And, uh, you know, Trivium had just come out. Trivia does come out with pull harder on the strings and bullet for my Valentine. Oh like, right, okay. Coming on the scene makes sense. All that, yeah, uh, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. scene, and then I kind of segued into like a little. Well, I say a little, but I'm in mean a good four or five year spat of being the front man of a metal band and learning to scream and learning to. Oh wow! Yeah, like learning to to do that, and I really, really soaked it up, and really, it really, really helped with your hormones when you're a kid. Yeah. yeah, you know when you get hit by fifty. Release. Yeah, you need it, mm. and it's pr- it's primal. I used to love it at the Biv every week. You know, mm-hmm. um, a Biv being the bivouac. Sorry, Duke yeah. Wellington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah used well. to love it there, there every week, and there was something so primal that mm-hmm. really, really spoke to me. And, you know, just jumping around, moshing. Um, I, I, I really connected with it, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was a really good outlet to have. And at the time, even when I was, yeah, like like I say, sixteen, like oh. I, I, it felt good. It just felt good. There was a lot of angst to get out. And as a young man, you know, just a lot that you need to get out. Mm-hmm. So that kind of facilitated that really well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that kind of finished when I was about 18. Um, and were you still writing? Were you writing for the for the metal band? Yeah, I was writing a lot of lyrics. Um, if I'm honest, the, the, you know, the guitarist just kind of ripped off a lot of songs. Right, okay. And, and for me, creativity is not, being inspired by it sounds really ridiculous and it probably doesn't make sense but for me being creative it isn't being inspired by your artist that you should you shouldn't sound like who you listen to do you know what i mean yes although when you are you know in those formative years i mean it just seems to be part of the the, the well-worn path is you you sort of slip into the shoes of your idol definitely and you try and emulate that and you and you and you it's certainly how it was for me anyway, yeah. you know, to, to, you know, and then I think, you know, you, you at some point you realise, oh, no, I got to... Yeah, it took me a while actually, until I was in my 20s, that I was like, oh, that's 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 how you do it. But they they were writing like, just kind of like ripping off bullet for Valentine riffs and like 
serious triple picket and I, I'd never I'd never done anything like that and he'd be like you know play this this is the verse you can sing over this and play guitar and I was oh like, wow yeah well it is so technical isn't it I mean <laughs> I'm not technical, really. Wow. But, um, so, how does that? How does that? How do you move on from that band? Then is that a case of you start your own thing, or what um, no? Yeah, I mean, I kind of. Well, the guitarist went to uni when he was 18 uh, to Leeds, and it just kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And then I met my best friend now, who's Matt Wilford, and he was actually bassist in in this band actually um, for about a year prior. But I became really, really tight with this with my best friend now, Matt. And I kind of just jumped off playing music, actually. I kind of met a new group of friends. Had a gap. Yeah. Yeah. Started to soften up a bit. Yeah. After my later years, started to kind of, you know, smoke a bit. Yeah. First started smoking then. Changes the pace. It changes the pace, changed my music taste, Mm -hmm. changed me, really Mm -hmm. softened me up, really. Mm -hmm. Looking back, maybe too loose. (laughs) You know, you are. You meet a great group of friends and it kind of just kind of trailed off from that really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still did projects in like here and there. Uh, me and Matt did a little project together and, but nothing ever that serious. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, oh, I left a big bit. But, oh, actually. Okay. I was, then I was, um, I was with Matt and we were recording, he, he was recording a band in Highcombe, just a makeshift set up. He was like, we just had his Mac and just an interface and uh, our friends, Jason Belton, um, had written this song and a, a bungalow down in Highcombe somewhere and Matt was said oh, I'm going to go record and I was like I'll come with you and help just set up stuff and just do a track you know it's programming drums and just doing guitar takes and mm-hmm. really really like home cooked stuff um, but this um, song that they recorded they didn't have a drummer at the time so I did all the shakers for this track that they did um, and it was a band that I, I eventually joined. Well, that after that night, we'd listened to the single was done, and it was great. It was completely different. It was like kind of like Americana cowboy feel. It was, and wow! It was a band called Amer- uh, Midnight High. Midnight High. That's what you were called. Yeah. With Mr. Vital Thing. What was the metal band called? The Absent Minded. The ab- oh, that's not bad. The yeah. Absent Minded. <laughs> and then and then this this new this new one's called uh, Midnight High. Midnight High. But I, I was, think I remember seeing that. On you the- might have. We did do quite a bit. We did tour quite a bit. Right. And this was... Hmm, I'm trying to think of what it was now. About eight years ago now. So, I was, yeah, I was 22. So a few-year gap and then did this and started drumming. I've always been a handyman, really. I've never excelled in anything. Like, I, I've always just fancied doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stems back to my mum as well. Yeah, yeah, not being scared to sort no, of have, yeah. a, have a go at something and explore it. And Definitely. probably, you know, you've probably got an attention span that needs <laughs> the next thing, I would imagine, yeah, as well. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I, um, yeah, started drumming in that band and, and just fell in love with drumming, really, and singing, drumming and singing at the same time. I really loved the feeling it gave me. Um, Did you find that a difficult thing mm, to learn? Yeah. Because... Really, re- what's great is it's like any anything in a way is you need to disconnect mm-hmm. completely you can't mm-hmm. think at all mm-hmm. at all because you just go to a place in your head that where you're not here and you can do it but the second you you put it's, it's like anything though the second you pull yourself back in you've missed a beat you've dropped a note um yeah there was some sort of disconnection um kind of in a way maybe like what you get in the tank and so I was just thinking the same thing you know that kind of zen state in a way zen always sounds a little bit 
pithy, mm-hmm. but the you know the the, the the fact that is that you drive. You're in a Zen state when you're driving half the time, aren't you? Yeah. You're in a, you're in a position of automatically doing what you're doing without thinking about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting that you say that because that, I think that's what it was. Because then moments in the tank, you get pockets of nothing, mm. and you, your mind isn't there, but you're there. Yeah. And it was similar. But I get, now, now I think about it, it was like that. Though. Because drumming, there's so much going on. You've got your, you've got your kicks, and you've got your, you know. There's, yeah. the, I mean, it was hard. I mean, it was simple harmonies. It wasn't. I wasn't like the lead singer, Jason. Jason was the lead singer. Had a great voice, and we just did backup singing. And it, it but it was great. I, I loved it. It was such a, such a release. And again, it was like playing metal and doing this in kind of like an Americana indie rock and roll band. I still got the same release from it because drumming's exhausting, and I love. That's it. a big. It's, it's, a, it's a. How does it feel the first night when you start playing the the Americana kind of stuff? Kind of from from, from the metal stuff well, because just, I had a gap because yeah, I had like okay. a four, probably about a four year gap. Oh, just, that long? Probably, yeah. I was just sitting on the common smoking, playing my acoustic guitar for years. Do you right. know what I mean? Just right. re- just just like. Were you writing anything in in that time? Were you recording mm. anything, even on paper? No? Not really. Just literally no. playing it for the catharsis and yeah. get it out. Listening and... to music, listening to music mm-hmm. that I didn't realise, like Beatles. Stuff that you'd written off prior yeah, sometimes like, even. Like, yeah, Beatles, Beach Boys, mm. stuff that was is beautiful sonically. Yeah, the blueprint of sound. music really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. that really opened that that really opened me up to that and I was like oh my god what are they doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean it's uh, that's a it's not a dissimilar journey to my own in fact that you know the gap and sort of meeting the different people and being introduced to the different sounds and yeah it's it's and the gap the gap as well when I had a gap when when I did a bit of music when I was younger so I found some friends and I actually went off into kind of the rave scene. Mm-hmm. So I went completely from, you know, I started with the Beatles. The Beatles were the band that, you know, I picked up the, I think it was the red and blue vinyls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and sort of got into those and then, yeah. And similar thing, a couple of bands. And then, and then my gap around, God, what I would, I would have been around 20, I think 1920, I think when I called it, and I just met some friends and got really into just going off and clubbing and going all around the country to different, you know, yeah. electronic clubs and free parties, free parties, yeah, free parties as well. Yeah. Um, just that whole vibe and you know, a guitar or writing things down just didn't didn't mm-hmm. come to me for a long time. So what? So what? How how long, how long do you do it for then? In the in this mid- midnight high band? Well, you you said before you do you doing touring and some stuff yeah, starts did, happening. So yeah, it's more yeah, serious we, than ever. This was more serious. This was good, I and mean, and it kind of oh, I forgot to say you know um, during them them gap years as well. I kind of <coughs> look, luckily got a job um, working for Live Nation. A friend of a friend managed to hook me up. Well, that, a friend of a friend, family member. That must have some impact then. It was great. It was really really. It was fantastic to kind of learn the music scene and um, and how old are you at this point then 21 so you're 21 21 you're, you're in your most well you you're in between bands yeah it's that gap that that was the gap that, but you find yourself yeah. working i guess yeah with some i got some some quite big artists which was amazing it was um i was really lucky just to see because you know like, as a promoter rep you're representing the um, promotion like live nation but you're the middleman 
<clears throat> between the venue and the crew and you, you you need to make sure everything goes well you're doing the settlements paying everyone making sure that things are books are balancing at the end of the night and just making sure everything's going Smooth, dandy yeah. yeah so it was a really really amazing experience um who would you have worked with then give us some i my f- first one i was shadowing a rep so that was a, i jumped straight in on a kasabian tour wow. arena tour so that, that was nuts because yeah. i was um yeah it was just wild it was just absolutely wild i think i did in total about 20 dates with them um, but I was only shadowing like a rep at the time, not really getting paid, just learning about it really. Well, that's great. What an experience to yeah. get behind the curtain. Well, that like was that. it. That was it. And um, then I started kind of repping. Yeah, my 21st birthday, I got... That's when Ellie Golding's song Starry Eyed reached number one. Oh, wow. And I got that. I got three dates on her tour. Because sometimes promoters would chop up a UK tour. Just mm-hmm. I don't know why they'd do it, but mm-hmm. they just do. They don't only have like the Newcastle show, the London show and Manchester show. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, did um, did the Manchester show for Ellie Golden and um, did a Devlin show, the rapper. Well, Devlin. yeah, yeah, he I remember Devlin. Un- he did Underworld, showing Underworld in London. And... Ed Sheeran supported, and that was for no one knew who he was. It was really weird. And, and did I, you watch him? Did you? Yeah, I paid him fifty quid. Did you? Yeah, it was really weird. Well, I didn't pay him like Live Nation did, but he was allocated fifty quid for the evening. Like wow. he played. I think I we messed up with door timings because people were still queuing. And he was about to come on. Mm-hmm. It was a bit too close. Right. I was a bit like, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was before really. And did you watch Ed Sheeran yeah. play that night? And what did you think? Did you look at him and think, "Well, there's a there's a thing here," or was it just he, he had a big buzz? There was a the, the crowd really buzzed to see him, and I guess London being the forefront of the epicenter of buzz mm. has always been throughout the years. It yeah. was something that I, I got from the crowd definitely at the time. I was like, "He's good." Do you know what I mean? Was, he, not, was he doing the looping thing? and um, Not so much, I don't think. I mean, to be fair, I, I didn't watch the whole set because I was running around a uh-huh. little bit. But I did watch it, made sure it started. And mm-hmm. he was a really nice guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. really, really sound guy. And we tr- and then the year later, that's when I was with Midnight High. And I, I kind of organised the tour because I'd had, had this experience. Oh, that was my next sort of point, is that yeah. you must have gleaned some, number one, amazing experience, but number two contacts yeah. uh, connecting dots you know definitely. recognition of what the pattern should be how do you approach it yeah definitely how do you approach it I mean unfortunately the contacts I did make I didn't really want to use afterwards because it was kind of like an old relationships her, oh, okay. her uncle that's interesting worked at the Live Nation right. and okay. as that relationship ended I was lucky to still get shows for a, a year or two and it ran its course okay and I just was very humble and mm-hmm. peaceful about the whole situation. Just, you know, it kind of finished and rounded up. And I wasn't bitter. I understand, you know, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it really, really, it, it really gave me a great look into the industry and how to approach things and how to just orchestrate a show, really, and and how, how things kind of work. And also how... What about, what about your belief in your music then? So... Hmm. Did you kind of, you know, being around, for instance, Kasabian on a on a twenty day arena tour, you know, forget the genre, but do 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 you ever do you ever think, God, we're we good enough, we can do this, we can hang here, this we could do this, or is no. it, God, we need to be better, I need to do more, or how does that? No, I mean, for, you? Me, for me, when I was doing the Kasabian tour, I wasn't in the band; it was within that gap. Ah, okay. 
So I wasn't really even thinking about me writing music. Kind of, I kind of put it, hung it up for a while. I okay. was like, oh, this is good. I wanted to be a music producer. I like, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted, to, even though I didn't really know what that meant, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I was always directed to music. Um, but it was really inspiring. Like you see any live music and you watch a crowd and it just fuels you up and it's mm-hmm. amazing. And you watch mm-hmm. them come off stage and they're just pumped. It's amazing. Um, but no, I didn't really, weirdly, I didn't really think about my own music or, or anything. But w- when we kind of started Midnight High, uh, well, when the guys started Midnight High and I luckily just jumped on as the drummer, they knew about my background and I could book shows and we've got some, got some pretty good support slots. But I did try and get an Ed Sheeran support at Norwich UEA the year after when he was pretty big and like the the uh, the manager just didn't even reply to me. Oh man! Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, that's fair enough, fair enough. Well, you've got to, you've got to, try. you've got to. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't shoot, <laughs> you don't score. Yeah, no, definitely. But so, was... what kind of support, what support gigs did you manage to pull off then with your newfound skills? Uh, let me think. Let me think. completely blank now we're going back 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 to the rock and roll years it's just a blur it was a blur (laughs) to be honest a band called Midnight High it's not good I was going to say what (laughs) what kind of demeanour did the band have collectively in in the rock and roll sense was it was it was it rock and roll was it messy was it was it drink and late nights? And Not to, I mean, it was Jace. Were you the court, pretty disciplined? Yeah, um, I was the most disciplined. Lucas, mm-hmm. the bass player, we, we were both quite disciplined. Belton, the Belton and Jace, they wanted to be like the Libertines. Okay, and like, I see. They'd get fucking wasted, and <laughs> yeah. I'll be at, I'll be at Scala in London. We managed to we supported. Um, oh God, what's his name? Libertines guy. What's his name? Not Pete. Pete. No, Pete Duffy, no, Carl Barrett. Carl Barrett. We supported him at Scala. Did you really? What yeah. year is that? Oh God. Um, but this was a con. I'll get into that. This was 2000. Oh God. I'm so bad. I should have really have this written down. Seven, eight, seven, eight years ago. So like 2013, 2012. Well, before you go any further on that, we actually played Scala with one of the bands that I was in and, uh, a promoter was it pay to play yeah was it, was that's it that? what it became yeah I forget the yeah. guy the, the promoter was called Mark somebody it might have been Mark I can't remember if it was hot we box. were really sold a right a right one down the river was really. it 50, you need to sell 50 tickets yeah we had to sell a yeah. load of tickets um, I, it might have been it was we, uh, no right. uh, did, we did do a Carl Barrett one we might have been there we did do a Carl Barrett one and we did a Maccabees one as well okay but whether or not it was I think the Maccabees was the Scala one we did yeah, Carl Barrett was somewhere else. It was a London gig, but yeah, it was that whole gig of you know here's fifty. You know, the soldiers are, you know, well, you're playing a great Scarlet, idea. But then they play in the upstairs room, uh, getting your gear up there. Oh man, yeah, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Double bass cab. We had a big Marshall double bass cab, like a six foot thing, <laughs> and it would get off the bus in the afternoon, and it's like, what are we fucking doing? Yeah. And you know, you're getting all your friends from Lincoln to try and come down. You're out of yeah. pocket. Yes. You're having to like pay for. Oh god, and the promoter wants the money by doors. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. We were out. We lost money. So if anything, that experience at Live Nation didn't yield. It just showed me how bullshit is mm. for young bands trying to make it, and mm-hmm. like the pay to play structure in in. London especially, it's appalling. Like, mm. if you haven't mm. got... Well, it's just hard. If you haven't got a bus... Well, and also, what I found with that is, and we, we managed to get a few a few buses full across the country, and what it's great for a day out and a slap on the back from your friends. That's great. That's always good fun. But yeah. in a band trying to progress, trying to build a fan base, 
A, you've got to get yourself in debt and pay to play, but you're paying, you're renting a crowd because you're just playing to your own crowd. Yeah. Because the other five support bands are on the same gig. Yeah. They've got their fans in. So you just see the dance floor or the, or, you know, the audience kind of interchange with each band. So, sure. you, you know, the Coventry band are playing to their handful of Coventry. <laughs> yeah. and, and do you know what I mean? And you might yeah. get a couple peripheral fans who are music people from yeah. the other followings who stick around. But yeah, I found that to be. I mean, it's, I guess it's the game. It's sad and it's hard. It is, yeah. And I think there is some people that catch a wave. I mean, we, we did catch a wave, um, I think, because we got um, something. I, one day I was on a holiday and Matt the guitarist rang me and we had a few management interests and we'd met up with a few people, but they all wanted like cash injections straight away from you or they mm. wanted and it was just it was down to too didn't, good to be didn't true. feel good yeah. didn't feel good and I did have, I did use my contacts in, in Live Nation to forward it and say is this deal any good and they're like run a mile from it like it's mm. no good mm. uh, which is such a difficult thing for a young band because even just oh, having so any kind of attention just feels like fucking hell this is something yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's really difficult to keep and we did get a message one day from Island Records which was w- w- big for us we were like and they wanted us to do a showcase um, our next London show Simon his name was Simon Simon he never replied Simon Simon says <laughs> Simon says come to London and play a show <laughs> I won't be there but yeah. we put we um, he sent us a, just like quite you know I'm Simon Island Records I've heard, heard somehow he heard us mm-hmm. um, and we replied with the most stupid email like tell us a bit about you and our guitarist I was on holiday at the time I was like Matt just reply like just and when, when you did things like that then would you guys have any kind of rule on reply would it be would it have to be sent round before it was sent nope. would you no it was, it, we were someone's so pulling stupid. the trigger without yeah because that's really frustrating well, I the find thing, cause we, we, we replied to the email he never got back to us because we would just hit the, I think it was like, you know, we're a rock and roll band. We'd like to get shit faced at yeah. night. And like, no. With a real deal, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And like reading it back when I saw the reply. And, and um, <laughs> Mike, Jace's uncle, who um, helped with our first recording, listened to it. He does a lot of productions in Lincoln, Lincolnshire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just read it and he was like, I can't believe he sent that email back. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, mm-hmm. shit. You know, we like to get wrecked and rock and roll, man. And no, it, no industry guy wants to hear that. Because even at Live Nation, they would say to me, don't give the band the vodka yeah. they played. Yeah. Take the spirits off of them. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, because they just, they're doing their job at the end yeah. of the day. They've got a clock and they Definitely. need to, they need to keep on schedule and they yeah. just want it to be smooth, you know. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the mercurial rock star, you know, that, that pops up now and again. And it maybe is the thing that gets them over the line because whatever reason it seems to fit. But generally speaking, again, the young the younger the younger bands who are emulating mm. those idols, you know. I did it myself, I'm from the Britpop era. Yeah, 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 you know, sure. We became Gallagher's because we were, you know, the band I was in at the time was like, we were just footballing kids, you know. Similar to you, I couldn't really play anything, but I was up for just having a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everybody became little mini Gallagher's, you know. We were like, yes, we're, we're not musicians, <laughs> we're just lads who play guitars and, <laughs> you know, we haven't started smoking Benson and Edges and, you know, just Skin. doing the whole, th- yeah, yeah, just doing the whole thing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Amazing. So yeah, so you 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 get some good supports, but you 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 end up feeling a bit deflated because you're starting to work out that it's just a bit of a con. Yeah, yeah, with the pay to play stuff, especially. Um, and then I think I can't remember what happened. 
we all just got into a bit of a dark place, like I think most bands do. Mm -hmm. I booked, we'd bailed on a festival in London the year before and we were booked to headline the next year. I can't remember what festival it was. And they just bailed on the day when I was, I turned up with the equipment. I think oh, they both no. got from work. I'm like, I can't be asked to do it. And I was like, we let these guys down last time. We can't, we can't do that. And like, it's just mm. not good. Mm. And then we started cancelling quite a few gigs and it just kind of, was the music, did the music remain at a level or could you feel it in the rehearsals? Oh, it was great. I loved the music. The music was great, what we were writing. I loved it. And playing it together, the chemistry playing oh, it together was still was. there. That's what it was. It was all about that. Mm. It was all It was all about the chemistry. And I, what again, with the songwriting aspect, we, we, we'd write as a band. I mean, Matt and, Matt and Jace would write the core of the song, but my fun in writing and kind of what I emulate now on my own demoing and what probably most people and you do on your own demoing mm -hmm. is just finding that magical unknown wave mm. that makes your fucking chest mm. fire up mm. and I used to love that we'd catch a wave together and we'd all just look at each other and yeah. then I'd just play a trippy beat and they'd laugh and you'd be like yeah and you bounce off and people know. just finding the groove and dropping on it and everything a bit like that Zen state again you're kind of exactly. like every, but but together you know communal like yeah, that's powerful because it, is. it lasts for however long you manage to get it you know you get around I don't know however many bars and you've got you've picked it right you remember that loop lock, remember lock that, that loop in, yeah. know, keep that keep that keep that and you know and then you definitely oh, that's a magical feeling that's what it was for me and that for me well, that was where the magic came from mm. and we started to kind of write just you know to songs that have already been written and it was quite rigid but for me the, the magic of music and creation has always been in that unknown mm. being at the mic not knowing what's about to fall out mm -hmm. and, that, and mm. that always being surprised by yourself yeah i think that's yeah. what i really love yeah yeah um but yeah and then i met my uh then i met my now wife annie um mm. after this after midnight high kind of actually no she saw it she was a promoter in lincoln and she put a couple of gigs on for us um but yeah i met her and then we kind of started writing together Wow. Which was really nice yeah. um, to write with a pianist. And, and so the music takes a turn to what kind of um, style now? I, I started to get into play like big like slide guitar and quite Jack Whitey riffs, mm. but mixed with like a piano um, and just like a, I'd, I'd, live would do it as a two piece with me just sitting on a bass drum and a tambourine on my left foot. So okay. I incorporated my body being busy still. Yeah. I liked that. So yeah. I'd play guitar and with my feet play percussion and sing I just liked everything being engaged mm -hmm. and yeah my Annie would play piano and sing and uh, yeah it was a really nice little project actually it was really nice so when you guys start singing jamming together are you friends at this point or are you me all, and Annie are you already sort of romantically already, engaging yeah, at this point we were already together to be fair that pro the project started basically I think uh, in 2012 that's when the kind of I had a bit of a crisis and I, uh, I'd met Annie that yeah. year. So the crisis, take me to the crisis. So. Oh, the, oh the, the funny thing was when you look back at things and you think it was a crisis, you realise it just was not and everything's relative. There was no crisis. I just started to feel, excuse the woo, but really spiritual and it was surprising me and upsetting me a little bit. Okay. I don't know why, but I knew I'd met someone great and I knew that I need. I had some stuff to sort out in myself. Okay. Um, and I couldn't explain it. I remember Matt, my best friend, we were in um, what's now Craft. And I was having a drink with him and I was like, I feel really spiritual. And he just pissed himself. <laughs> he was just like, what the fuck do you mean? I was like, I don't yeah. know. I was like, I just 
feel that I don't get it like had you read anything no has anything triggered it in any kind of you know no I don't know what it was it was I think how old are you at this point then so the band's finished Mm -hmm. Um, just met Annie gotta be careful here Um, this was seven years ago so so 24, 25. 20, 24, 25. It's my radiator. I'm sorry. Oh, that's nice. It's radiator coming on at this time of night. It I mean, is, we are in uh, early December. We are. 2019. So the radiator kicking in will be nice. Sorry about that. No, cool. that's cool. That's um, cool. Yeah, so 24, 24, 20. Yeah, 23. Sorry, 23. Mm-hmm. When I met Annie and I'll get... And, you, and, and, and at the time, you say you, you were... You had this sort of overwhelming feeling of being spiritual or some kind of awareness mm-hmm. yeah and you, it made you feel sad in a way did it make you feel sad in a way because maybe you know did you feel like the narrative that you'd been living by was yeah sort of a bit of a bluff and yeah I was, I was being some... a, bit, a bit of a con right. I wasn't being true to me mm-hmm. but I didn't really know what, what me was because uh-huh. are you it, drinking are you using any yeah, drugs yeah well this is yeah. it I mean the year before you know took mm-hmm. LSD right that would have done it um, of course smoking quite a lot you know of, of um, cannabis for a few years mm-hmm. just thinking really yeah. and, and, and just peeling back the layers yeah, or the, the introspection like onion, of it yeah, yeah introspection inside and external just looking around and really really trying to work out what what's fucking going on mm. yeah. whereas everyone's yeah. just kind of well you're 25 I mean as well you are probably I mean, 23 actually sorry yeah so you you know maybe a little bit earlier than than the average bear, I would imagine, because it seems to me, certainly in the world that I move in, that people that I've grown up with, kind of around the 30 mark, it seems to be when I notice or I've conversed with friends or people that feel that kind of a change or some kind of a maturing or I don't know what it is. Hmm. Um, a calling. It's an awakening and a calling. Yeah, yeah, for want of a better... Yeah, it is. It's kind of an establishing yourself. And I, th- I find... It doesn't happen for, for, for everybody either. No, you know? no. Um, and I think that's maybe what is quite scary about it. You might look around and think, well, hang on a minute, what, how come yeah. you're not questioning everything about yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, you know? definitely. Um, and I, rem- I remember saying to Matt, my best friend, uh, who was outside talking on the same day, and I was like looking up at the stars, I was like, just what's going on? Like, he's, I was like, what's space? Like, what is this place? And he's like... You're in deep, baby. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like, I'm not bothered about space. Like, I'm bothered about what's going on here. Like, that's it. Yeah. And I was Have like, we got any more weed? <laughs> yeah. the joint. Back it. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, but I mean, to be fair, I think that's probably what brought it on. And, and I knew I kind of needed to get away. And I just met Annie and she just blew me away of just how great a human could be. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I explained to her, like, you know, I feel like I need to get away. I don't feel like, I don't feel me at the minute. And she just bought me a backpack and was just like, go. Wow. Which was amazing. Because I said I wanted to go to Brazil. My, my friend Ben had been travelling to Brazil the year before and he said, you should come to Brazil. Um, so I went away, yeah, in 2012. So when, so when you meet Annie and you, you, you paint us the picture that Annie kind of blows your mind, you kind of got this feeling, it's all time in, you know, you're questioning, you've got your own introspection going on, you're at a bit of a crossroads. You meet this girl that's got this energy that kind of... Mm-hmm tips you over what about prior to any then relationship wise mm-hmm. um, girlfriends serious yeah. girlfriends Se- serious and... girlfriends okay always been in so deep serious in love like 
always as much as I could have during been. the bands and everything. So during the bands, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, though they always kind of did hinder the bands, I yeah. think, because you know your girlfriend starts to well, come you, to practice, and yeah. then you've got to leave practice early because you've got to go meet the girlfriend at the bus station. Yeah. Just things like that when you're younger. Of course. But the first relationship, seriously, was when I was. 14 that lasted about four years and she wow, was she was older that's a long than time at your age she really so yeah. that's interesting you say she's older how old was she kieran she was two years older than me so she was she was 16 and i was 14 so you've definitely got the older thing again the older it? thing again you know and that and, and brings me back to you kind of having this epiphany if you want to call it an epiphany the crossroads the, the awakening at like 23 24 you know you've you've been thinking or you've been moving, you've been around that kind of, that bit of an older mindset, that older environment. I yeah, don't know, possibly. maybe you've been expired, I don't know, who knows, but that's interesting, you know, especially that way around when you're young. Yeah. An older girl yeah. to a boy. I mean, is, I did, it didn't, you know, it didn't end well. She, you know, she eventually found out that there are guys with Cars. Cars and yeah. jobs and go can go out. Yeah. And I was there. You know yeah. what I mean? I, you, that was four years, do you say? Yeah, I must have been like three or four. Yeah, till I was 18. Yeah, till I was 18. Yeah. Wow. Got my heart broken. She cheated on me a couple of times. You know, and you do that and you and you go into, a, you know, you go really deep into that. It's such a big process. That first heartbreak oh, like first that. first heartbreak, man. I mean... It, it's trauma. Yeah. It's such a trauma, man. Yeah, I've, I've, I've... Like most people at our age now, you know, you experience that. And if you, I mean, so far as you're in this, this conversation, you've expressed you, there's a depth to you, there's a meaning, you know, you really, you're really throwing yourself into whatever it is your endeavor is, aren't you? And I imagine in a relationship, in a loving environment, you know, when you really mean it, when you really are committed to that, mm. and then that, that rug gets pulled from underneath you, I mean, that is. At that age, impressionable at eighteen, you know, yeah. twenty years old. I mean, oh, that is oh, it's that's the first lesson of Earth. Huge lesson, yeah, it is man, huge you, lesson. You know, as a, as a young adult, it you definitely know, welcome. This is where we are. You know, humans. Yeah. You love this human. You know, the first human that you've loved, kind of outside of your blood family. You know, you've chosen this other human, and they've chosen yeah. you, and you've you know it's more powerful in many ways isn't it because definitely then, it's so new I mean I remember having my first kiss and running home like a little schoolgirl because I could just I felt like I could run I remember having the thought I could run forever I yeah. felt so happy beauty of it such a yeah. drug like it really was I could feel the endorphins running and I was just it was such a high and when that crashes down in, in the harsh reality of Rejection, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I think the 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 you know the the the, dishon- the dishonesty of a cheating situation. Mm. And listen, this is not to knock an individual or a girl or a boy or anybody. This is all life. We're mm. all learning lessons, oh, and we're all sure. making mistakes, and we have to experience these things. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 that must have hit you hard. Yeah, definitely, it definitely did. Um, but then, you, then you learn times when you're younger. You learn, you know, as time goes on, you you heal. And weirdly, I got into another serious relationship quite kind of quite soon after that, which was again another two or three years, wow. and the same outcome happened where she left me for someone else. Right, and that made me really go, something's wrong. How did that feel second time? Oh. Was it as visceral in the in the same way, or is it, or does it have a different weight to it? How does that feel for a second um, time? 
the territory was familiar. Mm-hmm. It wasn't deeper than it You're was. You're a bit older now a as well. A bit older now. Mm-hmm. And like I've got a bit more of a, not a chip, because I think it's important to stay soft. But mm-hmm. it, I definitely have a bit more thick skin. Than when you, that, I think that's the thing when you're first. You, mm. Heart on your sleeve. The yes. world's incredible. Oh God, yeah. yeah, we're going to be together yeah. forever. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. And, and you believe that. You mean oh that when God. you say that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So when that happened the second time, I was... Um, the healing process didn't last as... I mean, it was. I got over it quite quickly, to be fair. You know, to keep busy. You start to count the days, you know, one night, two nights. And then after a couple of weeks, you're kind of okay. And you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned just to keep busy, really. But then I think that's when I kind of intrinsically kind of knew, um, you know, I needed to kind of change myself a little bit. So then when I met Annie, I was like, this girl is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was probably down to me being quite clingy as a youngster, maybe stemming from my parents getting a divorce and trying to enforce that. Well, we didn't get into your dad as much and we'll not go too deep now, but what was the relationship like with your dad? Were you like close with your dad? Was your dad checking you under the bonnet and this is how you do this, Kieran? Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, um, I was always, from a young age, I was always going to his garage on a Saturday and rocking the steering when he's doing an MOT. Yeah. And like handbrake yeah. on indicators sitting on his lap driving around the down the track yeah. he used to always put yeah great mm-hmm. really really good dad mm-hmm. um and particularly when when mum and dad broke up we uh, we did start to do a lot more things together which was quite nice because mm-hmm. on you know when parents break up you that what people who come from wholesome homes don't realize is on you know on a sunday it's dad's day mm-hmm. and the dad's kind of like what am i gonna do all day yeah so Shit. We, yeah, yeah like normally if you're in a, a, a you know normal home um, it's not dad day it's just a yeah. Sunday yeah. and you're with your family and it's just whole, mm-hmm. it's wholesome um, so yeah me and, my, me and my dad used to play a lot of badminton together um, used to do a lot of running together um, shooting my dad really is huge into like clay pigeon shooting so we kind of did that as I was growing up quite a lot on Sundays and was he a soft man a strong man a talkative man like you was he energetic like you was he no. more insular he's gentle Mm-hmm. Uh, gentle and soft mm-hmm. thinks a lot so you've you've taken a lot from him as well then I, th- I think I think so more my mum I think sometimes mm-hmm. he sees sees a lot of my mum in me as well which must mm-hmm. be hard as well sometimes when you come from of course it yeah. must be hard to see you know your your child like reflecting the person that you aren't with anymore mm. but no I, I, I do I mean we still we, we, we are really close um I've always known how how important that is to be. Um, mm. I mean, he doesn't really get what I've done here. He doesn't understand what float tank. He still hasn't seen the tank. He's been mm-hmm. around quite a few times, but he hasn't actually been in mm-hmm. to kind of. He helped me put the skirting boards on, mm-hmm. but he's he's quite practical and I th- more I mean, practical than philosophical for your relationship in the sense of what you feel comfortable kind of definitely being able to sort of flood him with yeah and I feel like this and oh, this yeah. has happened and oh you know definitely he's always trying to put, you know he's he's a typical lad in a way you yeah. know he's, he's like you need to bring him down a peg like yeah. be yeah. realistic yes live within your means yes I've not been like that yeah and that's what I've all I think he doesn't resent as such but I've always just been like there's no ceiling yeah. do you know what I mean yeah absolutely whereas he's grown up in a, in a household you know you work for what you get and you know you mm-hmm. pay your way and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard growing up in our, well, it's hard in any era growing up but you know 
it's impossible to buy a house. Well, it's interesting you say those two things because they're two things as a young father myself, you know, uh, the work hard ethic, the real, the reality ethic, I think is so important. I think more now, more now than ever, you know, because we do live in the everything now, you know, the millennials, God bless them. <laughs> you know, like everything, we've made everything so easy comparatively yeah. to what it once was, you know. I don't know if you threw a paper bag on your back at half past six in the morning yeah, to go and get your £9.50 a week. Oh, to then... mate, I didn't even get nine. He docked me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you know, but, but the balance that I feel that you're expressing is something that I'm actually trying to implement my, myself and my wife with our children is, is that, number one, you've got to be on solid ground, you know, solid ground. Hard work, earn it, you know. Mm be mindful be aware of you know your place and what you can offer but as you said there's no ceiling you know mm-hmm. and if you can marry those two things you know and have the confidence create the confidence to to recognize yeah i can have a go at that i will knock at this guy's door with my bass guitar <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and and two things happen you know you're willing to do the work and you're willing to walk through the door into the bunch of older guys and sort of wing it, you know, that that is a wonderful marriage, you know. Yeah. How we get to it, who knows, but yeah, that's I something mean, I'm really aware of with my children. Yeah, I think as well, since becoming a dad recently, in the past few months. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Welcome Thank to the daddy club. Oh man, it's, where have I been? <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but I can completely see why I would equip with my... I, I would be not hard on myself, not hard. I would always be loving and always be mm-hmm. endearing and listen, but set them up the right way and not be so airy-fairy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that make what you were saying, like mm-hmm. my views have kind of changed quite a bit. And now I can empathically see why my dad has been the way he mm-hmm. has with me. Cause mm-hmm. he's like, you know, just want the best for your kids. Mm-hmm. You want them to do well. Um, but yeah, no, he's, you know, he, we have a, we, we do have a good relationship. So when you, when you're at this crossroads again, this kind of awakening, sort mm-hmm. of looking inside yourself, mm-hmm. thinking maybe, am I, am I too soft here? Am I, am I letting these girls, how are you kind of breaking this down in your mind? And what makes you think, right, I've, I'm looking at Annie, she's the one mm-hmm. and I've got to change. How, what's... I just needed to get away. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time, but like I said, I went space, to, somewhere yeah, new, a different environment. I needed a different environment. I didn't go to university. A lot of my friends did. You know, growing up, I can't wait to get out of Lincoln. It's shit. And, uh, <laughs> That's the old adage. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, think everybody says that wherever they are. Yeah, don't they? they do. Yeah, yeah. It's paradox. Like, yeah. but everyone always comes back. Yeah. But I've Since never, I've never felt the need to run away from it as such. I've, I love it so much. I was at the Christmas market last night, and I was mm-hmm. just like, this is. Lovely. Have you ever read uh, Paolo Colo, The Alchemist? I have. I read it in Alcudia last year. There you it's go. A, it's a beautiful book. And that's the story though, isn't it? It's like the idea that, you know, it's all out there. You can control the wind. But but that you end up back here because this is all right. This is this is good, you know. Yeah. This I've, is... been, I've been meaning to, reading, uh, meaning to read more of his. That's the only one I've read of his. But yeah. I know he's referenced mm. loads. Mm. There's a great Desert Island Disc for him, guys, if you're listening. If you, if you listen to Desert Island Disc, check out Paul, Paolo Colo on there. Really interesting guy. Stood up for a lot of rights in Brazil. He was arrested, wrongly arrested and imprisoned for a lot of his philosophy, really, for his really? way of thinking. He had a really strict father. Yeah, so check that out on Desert Island Disc. It's a cracking podcast, yeah. 
definitely but that book I, you know when you as you were saying that I was, I was thinking you know that whole you have to go on the journey yeah to realize where you are definitely i mean and, and i went to brazil with my mate ben we went to sao paulo we went to rio went to carnival it was carnival in rio de janeiro um and God, I, that must have been a trip wild man yeah. terrifying <laughs> i've never been to south america it was great it was beautiful i didn't go to the amazon i was kind of saving that and i still mm-hmm. haven't been there yet mm-hmm. but i uh, we just stayed on the coast really um but we went for carnival and that was wild but uh, besides the madness and the party in which we didn't do that much it was quite tame mm-hmm. um i just listened to loads of ben howard i got really into ben howard that's mm-hmm. when i really got into ben howard's first album um so the music's and becoming that you're listening to is reflective of where you are in a way as well yeah 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 definitely yeah. definitely every kingdom was, was it was a beautiful soundtrack to listen to when you're on the bus going through brazil mm-hmm. um about self-realization yeah. yeah self-realization reflecting looking at the depths of you and um and then also i read eckhart toll the power of now and i can't remember how i stumbled on it i think I can't remember how I stumbled on it, but no, it's a great, it's a cracking, it's a short book as well, isn't short it? Short book. Yeah. And then I got the audio book as well when I was <coughs> traveling. Cause I just sometimes think I th- this was before podcasts. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what, but I was always very ignorant to like, I, just, I like books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I listened to Eckhart Tolle as well. And the way he speaks as well is absolutely beautiful. But I remember being in Rio de Janeiro looking up, and just thinking I was on this balcony we were staying in this penthouse luckily we, we managed to couch surf someone's house um, during carnival weekend because our couch surfers let us down as we arrived in Rio and there was, we were like what are we going to do and luckily we managed to find this incredible penthouse with this woman just gladly took us in and I just laid on the balcony all night just like listening to Eckhart Tolle and it's always a it's a memory that really really etched in my psyche because I remember looking up at the clouds like oh my god what am I doing here like what am I doing and then as the clouds parted just Christ the Redeemer was there really yeah and it was too yeah and and with it with Eckhart's work you know he 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 uses um God in in the sense of awareness Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like Christ Mm -hmm. consciousness and universal kind of definitely definitely not like the stigmatised the white man with a cane up there telling you you know (laughs) yeah but like I remember that that happening and I was like oh my god and and throughout the trip I realised every beautiful view it's all internal like every reaction you get to any view any any anywhere you go I make me feel like it was worth it do you know what I mean absolutely and I realised it was it's all inside like I'm 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 happy I've just made myself happy like it's my emotions that I need to control mm-hmm. and that was definitely when I came back um, I, only, I mean I only went for two months but it was enough it was enough a lot of a lot of deep thinking and just oh yeah and, that, and I, I started writing a book and this is hilarious you started writing a no, book it's, a, it's just a joke I can't, this is hilarious I, I, like a journal or actually or fiction no, I, or no, just... it's just the typical, I didn't, I found my own um, spiritual journey and I didn't think anyone had found that before. It was really arrogant of me. And I was like, oh my God, I, quantum entanglement, spirituality, I'm going to try and marry everything together in a book. But in a strange way, Kieran, that's very similar to that feeling of the first heartbreak where, you know, 
people are saying to you, look, it's going to be okay. You know, you are going to heal. Time's going to heal you. And you're like, nobody's felt like this before. Yeah. Nobody's felt like I feel now. Definitely. And, Definitely. and then again, again with the epiphany, the kind of, wow, <laughs> the penny's dropping, everything's clicking. Like you say, I'm going to put this together. So you start writing a book. This is amazing. Well, okay. it wasn't, I wasn't a book. It was just a notepad. It, what it was was, oh my God, like there's, there's levels in uh, string theory and multi-dimensions and spirituality and basically just the new age. Yeah. It's, you, and then I, got, then I got back and then me and my mate Joe um, were just on, this, on the same sort of journey. And then we just kind of realised, oh, this is we laughed about it a few years later because we're like, oh my god! When like you go for the, go through the process of kind of being of self awareness, you try and join all the dots together, and you realise thousands of people have done it before. Yeah, they've been yeah. here, they've done it. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing again, nothing special. So at the time when this is happening, you 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 you're in Brazil. You're coming back from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Where are we on the on the calendar? Are we two thousand two thousand twelve. So. A little 13, bit. Thirteen, just in actually no, thirteen, um, like February. 13. So is YouTube in swing at this point? Are you starting to find stuff in this YouTube? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is where I kind of start. You start to go down your rabbit holes. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's kind of where I found Alan Watts as well mm-hmm. through Eckhart Toll and Mount and Power of Now. Um, mm-hmm. Jumping into to Alan Watts and some of his lectures, and and I was I was really just sticking on YouTube all the time, like constantly at work, just leaving YouTube open, listening to audio all the time. I just wanted to soak it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And again, with Alan Watson, anyone that you speak to, particularly McKenna, because the way he his syntax and the way he delivers his speech He's is got so, that, yeah. <laughs> a transcendental object at the end of time. <laughs> but I'm just gonna drink this cup of tea. <laughs> But like it, what they have the ability to do as public speakers is again pull the rug from beneath your feet, and great Zen proverbs do that. Mm-hmm. You get that feeling of like that's truth, that, and it's in yeah. me, and I understand that, and I've known that in a way all the time. Yeah, but having somebody sort of frame just, it or somehow yeah, just part the weeds for you for yeah. a second, like oh, there you Shit, go. Remember? Yes, yes. So that's where I started to get that reaction from public speakers or like philosophy I started to like just used to give me that feeling of just like complete completeness for only like a split second mm-hmm. um, but yeah um, and this was before podcasts and everything it wasn't before podcasts but I was just ignorant for you yeah People, I mean no, I mean, it's about yeah I think they're up and running at that point aren't they 2012 but they're, they're not they're not kind of I, I didn't know about podcasts. I was just listening to McKenna lectures for like 10 hours on YouTube and, mm-hmm. and just things like that. Um, and yeah, and I came back from Brazil just very calm and collected and then moved straight in with Annie because as luck would have had it, um, her housemate had to move out and she was like, I need a roommate. So coming back to Annie then, so when you first set eyes on Annie, do we know at this point? Is this a? Is this on the site? Is this like that's the girl? Or, yeah, yeah. Something happened uh, when we met, and it was really strange. I mean, we did meet once before when she booked a gig with us for Midnight High to play at the Slug and Lettuce. But we, but she had a boyfriend. I had a girlfriend. We were both very respectful of that, but we can remember that encounter. Um, but what we met, and I hate to say it, cubes. Oh, Cubes. Cubes is where my, my nightlife began. I was in, I once pitched a tent just to sidetrack quickly here, just because there's a, a Lincoln, a Lincoln <laughs> classic sugar cubes uh, for all the old school out there. 
I pitched a tent in my garden with my friend. And, um, we set up in the tent, said goodnight to everybody. We waited for the lights to go out and then we shot downtown and we went to Cubes when we were like, I think it might have even been 14, 15. Really? And I'll never forget getting back. And my mum came out. Oh my and God. She knew. She, and she went berserk. She knew you'd been to Cubes. Oh, I'm ringing your parents, Lee. You know, this is, you know, she went berserk. Did she? And I always remember thinking, oh shit, this is it, you know. But yeah, sugar cubes. Oh man. Yeah. So I you mean, met in cubes proper. Yeah. I mean, we were both, uh, I was with the boy, I was with the band and we, we just walked into cubes as, as everyone did that time. But mm-hmm. she was just with her, one of her friends and we both looked at each other about, I don't know, five metres across the room, pointed at each other and then both gave each other the finger. On cue, kind yeah, of. Yeah. It was super weird. It's super synced up and we still talk about it now. And it was, it was, it was really strange and, we just danced together all night. And then, this is even, this is this is good, actually. It was in the wedding speech last year. But um, she was very, she's really classy. She, she's, she, you know, she wouldn't put out on the first night. I was awful. Yeah. I was just like a like, dog with two cops. Yeah. <laughs> she got to say, we'll go out for a meal or something. And I'm just like, oh no, can, we, you know, can I come back to you? Can How you- cool is that though, on reflection, you know? How cool is she to, to just be... You know, the decorum of a queen. Oh, I haven't finished yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she was, she was like, no, you know, well, I said, I'll come back to yours. Cubes, you know, Cubes was closing. It was about three. Mm-hmm. This light was coming up. She lived down Monks Road. I lived on Yarborough Road. Um, she said, no. And I said, I'm going traveling tomorrow. I'm going to Sweden for like two months. And just lied to her pretty much. So you weren't going to no, Sweden? No, no, not awful. It's awful. It's like it you was, really have changed at this uh, point, Kieran. Dude, like, this was a, this was before Brazil, though. This was this was like okay. six months before Brazil. But okay. I was just like, I, I, I yeah, I just I said that I was going to Sweden for a couple of months mm-hmm. and we weren't going to see each other. And uh, she was like, "Okay, come back." So, good luck. I woke up the next morning. And she was like, "What, what time do you fly?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm not going." And that was it. And how did she take that? She just laughed. I th- she laughed and I laughed. And then awesome. I, st- I stayed over the next night and oh, that lovely. was it. And lovely. like, I've, n- I've never lied like that ever. I'm not a Well, liar. in a way though, I mean, you, you've, <laughs> no, but joking aside, you've, you're already, this contemplation to leave and to travel and to go somewhere is in you anyway at this point, isn't it? You're, you're yeah. already. True. Uh, you know, so yeah, I was talking about it anyway yeah, to people. You're already, yeah. you're just verbalizing what's in your mind and just sort of, You've, you've fast forwarded it a little bit. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Know? But I mean, we stayed, you know, we were together for two or three months and then I went to Brazil. Mm-hmm. With yeah. her blessing, she hands you the bag. She says, yeah. you need to do this, you need to go. Oh, no, she, she brought me back for Christmas. Yeah, pa- pa- she like bought me a massive rucksack and my flight was in January, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was just like, go. And I think she was, she was terrified because she knew that I was going through something and she didn't really understand it. But she but she just, she gave me the space and that's what I found so amazing because that, that is something that I could not do for someone. Mm-hmm. I did not have that humility to do that for someone. And what about me? today? No. Oh, yeah. And you've learned that. You've, you've yeah. recognised that space. Importance. Yeah. yeah. Give, let people have the time. But, you know, it's, I mean, easy, it's easy for me to say that to you though, but when you've been hurt in the way that you have a couple of times, yeah, it, that's a difficult thing to, to have confidence to do as well, you know. To yeah. be able to, you know, just stand back and let somebody just let it be, yeah, and like and let let it happen. Um, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's one thing I've learned. That's one thing throughout my life that's been one of the hardest things to learn. Um, you know, just letting people have space and mm. back to the float tank, mm-hmm. you know. It's giving people that space mm-hmm. from people, from life, from their endeavours, from their thoughts. It's just that little separation just so when you come back, you're more collected and connected mm-hmm. uh, to everything. But yeah, I definitely got that from from Annie, you know, Sure, with your wife as well. They're just they're, they're angels. So she, Annie, 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 sort of sends you on your way with with that trust and and just, I guess, belief that you need to go off and travel, yeah. and you and you have that epiphany there, and then you come back and you've started journaling your ideas, and yeah, and that's when we started writing music together. So then you start doing music together, and what were you called? Did you have a name for your yeah, little project? Two of Mankind. Two of Mankind. Nice. Yeah, that's what we were doing. We originally wanted when I was in Brazil. We were talking. And she was like, "We could do cruise ships because we could just travel." Awesome. Yeah, couple up the skills with yeah. the. With the yeah. I mean, Annie could do that. She's a great pianist. I, however, am terrible at learning other people's songs. I'm sure you could knock on the boat door and say, look. I'm Come a, on. I, yeah. Going I can to Sweden do, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I'm, I can pull something off here for you. Just trust me. Just give me a minute. I'll have it right. But then we, uh, yeah, we, I came back and we started demoing and I bought an interface. I got credit. I didn't have any money. I just got a credit card and I bought my interface and started properly home recording and kind of, kind of, kind of for the first time ever delving into my own creation it was inside of me that I never I'd never accessed really my first band I was playing bass with an old older guys the other band I was in a metal band playing music I didn't like and the third band I was a dr- drummer playing songs so this was the first time I've kind of collected everything up mm. and we kind of started composed together um, and that really brought us closer to be fair it was it was it that's was, intimate there's an intimacy there definitely it was beautiful and it, it was it was really gentle and yeah I, I absolutely loved it um, it was yeah it was such a nice era of our life as well like we lived on West Parade in Lincoln which for those of you who don't know Lincoln mm-hmm. West Parade is such a nice little hell mm-hmm. at the time it's quite student you know I think mm-hmm. but it was such a creative hub for the arts that have like arts nights where people just put projectors on their windows mm-hmm. and you could just walk around and the place would just feel like a gallery every mm. street would it was really really happening collectively mm. with uh, the community um and yeah we just kind of so you guys are in love now you're, you're making music you're feeling like you're sort of landing in your skin yeah and he's cool she's enjoying what she's doing you guys are building something yeah definitely and and as we sort of weave towards today, yeah, we're now in in your place, your lovely home in Spridlington, yeah, where you guys have both got businesses of your own, yeah, holistic minded businesses, definitely. How does that come around then? The holistic side, um, we've always been interested in it. I mean, I think through spiritually as well, you start doing a lot of reading, um, mm-hmm. and you know, you play through i don't know it's 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 so woo woo all the holistic stuff is and in, in the uk right now especially in but there's a, but you realize there is a huge umbrella and there's a community there within even within like this town it, people are there and people are resonating with that um but i really do think for people that normally go down the holistic road or want to pursue with that endeavor comes with a crisis 
and like mm-hmm. through crisis comes evolution mm-hmm. and that's something that Greg Braden who is one of my favorite authors um in spirituality he he's he said um we me and my wife went in 2015 we went to the collective consciousness conference in London um this had like a lot of public speakers um Wayne Dyer Greg Braden Linda Taggart Teal Swan and like just really really great people that are just mm-hmm. talking about spirituality and what to do with it and to harness it. And, um, yeah, I remember Greg saying on stage, crisis comes, um, evolution comes through a crisis. You know, when any organism is pushed into a corner through diet or whatever, you've got a chance, you've got a chance to evolve and grow. Um, and that day that he said that, um, we came back to Lincoln and on the journey back, we got a phone call that my mum was, was going to die, which was a huge shock. It was unexpected. It was, it was tragic. Um, it was, it was, re- it was a really, really strange time. It was hard. Um, so you're literally traveling back from this. Yeah. From this, this con- kind of. From this well-being collective yeah, consciousness. And I guess that you're kind of hot. You're, you've gleaned some, yeah. some real confidence in like, okay, we're on a path and we're moving in this way and it's going to be great. And we're going to implement this and. Definitely. Like, definitely. We're going to get stronger. And then you get a phone call. Yeah. I get a phone call from a little sister saying, come back. Well, luckily we, there's this guru who was talking from the last the last conference of the day, we decided to leave luckily about one o'clock and I got a phone call at two o'clock on the tube as we were heading back to, um, Cockfosters, um, the Northern tube line where our car was. And my little sister just saying, come back. The doctors aren't, it doesn't sound good. Basically my mum had been quite ill with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. My sister, okay. my family have quite, have quite a history, um, with bowel issues. My granddad mm-hmm. had Crohn's. Mm-hmm. My older sister, Amy, has Crohn's. She's kind of sorted out now, that though now. And my mum had quite bad ulcerative colitis at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in hospital a couple of weeks before, just getting very dehydrated. You know, she wasn't absorbing the nutrients that she should have been through the food um, and was put on immunosuppressants um, a couple of months before she passed, um, which can have a really bad effect on your liver. And it's effectively immunosuppressants kind of stop or your antibodies from working. So the inflammation stops because all inflammation is just, you know, your body trying to fight something. Mm, um, stress. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely. And she took so much on my mum did. She was a very stressed individual and very, um, very spiritual. She was really into a magic. Okay. It always has been. That's one thing I did kind of leave out, but she okay. was, that's where. Well, I think we're going to be doing this again. Yeah. Aren't we? Because you've got you've got some story. <laughs> yeah, she was um, she was very into her magic as well, and, and, th- and thought about things very differently. Had her her altar in a bedroom and did her cards a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and through all my whole life, she, uh, you know, I would be awake in my bed upstairs, and I'd hear her laughing with her friends, and I'd come downstairs, and the smell of burning would be happening. Mm-hmm. They'd be mm-hmm. burning some paper or something, mm-hmm. just having a drink and having a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was always very interested in that ritual sense. But anyway, um, yeah, she was, she was quite depressed a couple of years before this tragedy, uh, even though it had no correlation to the tragic accident that happened within hospital, um, uh, because they took her for an emergency, um, to, to take her colon out, um, really, cause she was really struggling, not non-responsive. Whoa. Um, yeah, it came out of the blue. She just went in, um, for, oh, look, 
the week before she was in because she had low fluids. Um, and I've probably got it all wrong now, to be honest, because it's something that I do not think about that much because it's just mm-hmm. it's so jumbled. When you go through a trauma, it's just not such a bit of, bit mm-hmm. of a mis- mixed mm-hmm. uh, mishmash. But um, yeah, she was in just for like a, a check, really, just to see if we can get her fluids up. Um, she got discharged the next day and they didn't do a colonoscopy on her. And then within five days later, she went back in worse. They couldn't stabilise her. So, yeah, that night they took her in to take a colon out. Um, and she just never came back. And that was it. So that that was that that right there was the... Uh, for both of us, me and Annie and my whole family was just the most... Such a huge crisis. And, tr- and it was awful. How old is your mum at that point? 51. Wow. Yeah. Oh, bram. Yeah, she was, she was young and, and I spoke to her the day before on the phone and um, weirdly it was really poignant, it was a really poignant conversation, it was quite short because I was about to go in for this conference, we were watching and she was mm-hmm. like, you having a good time? And I was like, yeah, I'm just about to see such and such and she was like, oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I'm feeling a bit crap and I was like, oh, I love you mum and I, I never say it to her but I said, I'm praying for you and I've never said that to her before in my life and um and yeah, and, and, and that was that, the last thing I said to her. And, wow. Um, and that's why I'm so thankful because she always enforced, I love you at the end of every conversation. Mm-hmm. And we did that. And I'm so glad that we did that. Yeah, Because yeah. some people have such bad, like, yeah, I've got absolutely. no, you know, bad, like, I've no regrets of anything that I've said to her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that, that phase of my life was the catalyst for us being here today. I mean, that was four years ago, just over four years. Um, we both, Annie, Annie and me really, really went down the healing route. We really got into our mindfulness. Well, once we kind of recovered from the trauma and trying to just carry on with life, um, I got pushed to some depths that was really, really challenging. It scared me for the first time in my life. I'd never been that scared mainly because maybe she wasn't here and mother, you know, the right I mean, God Jesus in the eyes of the Christ, child. I, I mean, I can't imagine. How could I? I mean, yeah. I mean, not, yeah. Um, the attachment of a mother and a, and a child, no matter the adult, you know. Definitely, definitely. I it's, mean, there, there's, there's no bond like it, is there? No, no, definitely not. So I, I, um, I remember I had my first... Sorry, I'm not going on too long, am I? No, no, not at all. Um yeah, I remember the night before a funeral, I was sat out here in the garden, smoking so much hash, trying to get me through the month. Mm-hmm. Just didn't know what to do, self-medicating. And uh, I had such a bad chest. In fact, you, your body just plummets as well. That's the thing. Course, like grief, yeah. it's such That's a, the, it's yeah, a the, physical the, thing. Yeah, the stress, it just goes through you. It oh, rips that. through you. Your appetite, your circadian rhythms, everything just Definitely. goes to mush. Yeah. yeah, and it was such... It was such a heavy physical feeling. I didn't know an emotion could be that heavy. I felt like a lump in my chest. And yeah, I had my first panic attack outside in the garden on like thirtieth of no, twenty fourth September twenty fifteen. And I've always been a very level guy. I've never not felt out of control. Mm-hmm. It was the first time my body and my I felt like my hand it was really strange. Like my hands weren't mine. I completely detached from myself for a while. It was kinda of like derealization I think do you it's think fun. you were trying to do that in a way as well yeah like to, to, to get out of the, get out mm. I, that's what I want in the in the dark days of grief um, I just wanted I just wanted out I wasn't ever depressed or suicidal 
but I wanted out. And people mm. do say that who are mm. quite like, su- well, suicidal, but I, mm. I've never entertained that as an idea. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted it all to stop for a bit. And um, yeah, that really, that first, pa- and then panic, panic kind of happened the next couple of years, really. And it was such a, big shake my foundations of me I was like oh god I really don't this is such a learning mm. and I was constantly reminded of what Greg Braden said you know he, you know it's crisis comes evolution and this was the biggest crisis we ever went through so my wife we, we both did our Reiki courses together and we did Reiki on each other every day for about two years um, wow. just to practice on each other and yep. to feel learn where our blockages were learn where talk and vent about everything I was going to say that, that, excuse me, that communion, I would imagine that that brings. So not only are you learning this knowledge and integrating this knowledge into yourselves, but to doing it together and the communion of, of that, that, that binding quality yeah. of that as well for you at that time must have been. Definitely. I mean, people always, what I've heard from, from some people is they push their partners away. It was the opposite. Course, like yeah. we really, it, it gave us such a bond and it, it really, really kind of makes you who you are and um it, that, that that's what really was the catalyst for our endeavor where we are here today like now this is like Annie's therapy room it's the reception mm-hmm. and I decided to open Go Deep because I did my first float last year in Bali I mean it was only a year ago a lot of people who start centering on me floating for a few years but um you, you being a, a a bit of a all or nothing. Yeah, let's just get it done. Let's yeah, crack on. It, there, it it yeah, there it is again. There it is again. There's that eleven year old at the door with the base. It's such as a state of the art isopod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, after my first float. I was, I felt level, and I felt, I felt, I felt amazing. I felt this this could help. Did you know? So you were in Bali. Is this was this on your honeymoon? Honeymoon. Yeah. So you're on your honeymoon. Yeah. You guys are obviously, I guess, in a, in a in bliss, blissful mind. Yeah, You're yeah, in Bali. Did you know about the tank? Did yeah. you have some insight yeah. pre- prior to? To my, um, I think about a few years ago, before I'd heard about float, flotation therapy when I was kind of reading into like the counterculture of the 60s. Mm-hmm. So you get and John like, Lilly. And- yeah, John Lilly, Tim Leary, mm-hmm. Ram Dass. They were kind of all friends. Like Ram Dass and Leary used to go into, I mean, Ram Dass and... Uh, yeah, Leary used to go around to Lily's house. Mm-hmm. They all kind of entertained the same sort of thoughts. And mm-hmm. uh, I did read um, a little bit and I was really interested in, in the concept of, of flotation and sensory deprivation. Um, because I, why I loved it so much was because, you know, with Leary kind of promoting and being the catalyst of the counterculture with LSD and heightening mm-hmm. your senses and awakening your senses. Mm-hmm. With flotation, you subtracting everything you're taking all your natural senses away for an hour or however long you do um and you're coming back and that re-entry back into the world is a high Mm -hmm. back to normality Mm -hmm. and i just liked how that seemed quite appealing um so did you know that there was a a pod where you were going did you kind of build that in or was it kind of synchronistic in the sense that oh it was weird yeah i was in bali i was like oh I'm in the, probably the most zenist place hmm. in the world right now. And I was looking at calm water flotation in Nottingham. Okay. Planning to book... Big shout, Nick, Nick Parr, by the way, friend of mine. That's where I first floated at <laughs> calm water. Great guy, wonderful. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I was looking at, th- at their place on the toilet in Bali in this beautiful, beautiful valley. Um, and I was like, 
wait a minute, why am I looking at a flotation centre like in England? I'm in Bali, there's got to be one. Googled it, there was one like half a mile away. Um, Ubud Float Garden, um, that was that, that was great. I mean, I didn't get a very good induction. Um, they just gave me the earplugs and said, you know... Crack on. Crack on. And it was a Samadhi, so it was like kind of the coffin-looking yeah. ones. They're yeah, quite... they're a bit more intimidating. They are, they yeah. Because you... yours, yours, for listeners, is an isopod, which is basically the... the, the cream of the crop yeah yeah and yeah. it's a beautiful kind of smooth round design almost looks like a like a it's like, it's like a spaceship clog yeah, like a yeah like a spaceship clog like a moon buggy you know like got this kind of really delicate lines it's really, it's really inviting mm. it's it's, it's mm. beautiful and um yeah i did my float in a samadhi and that, the idea to start a center was already there before i floated like this there was a seed because i just for some reason, I just have felt this pull to it because I thought it sounds great. And my first float was just really busy. It was, by the time I'd had my first float, I got the name, how I needed to do it, what, how it would work. And just, it was exhausting. Mm, <laughs> I, yeah. I came out not not that, I, I mean, I did a love of therapy. I saw it, that it could really help, but I just had these ideas is this during the float or is yeah. this post float? It was during the float. Mm. It was like I saw that I saw the I didn't see that logo behind you, but I, I the name was there. Mm-hmm. Um and just how it would work and and doing it here and just just how it would all just work. Falling really, into place, yeah. Yeah, it was really strange. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I was kind of sold then really. Mm-hmm. Um and then it took about a year of planning trying to get funding from so did you float again on your return to the uk did you no no this is you the just, weird thing. you are that guy aren't you that's just like my, i'm doing this and that yeah, is that i should have gone to a lot, pe- lot of people go to calm water i think mm. i might have even said to you i went i do i'm very careful what i i don't want people to think that i'm a bit of a cowboy with it but i i didn't float for over a year Mm-hmm. until I got the pod in here and it was very much that first float was great but mm-hmm. I was like maybe I should have given that again well but, I think it's testament to the to the the calling as we want to call it I guess is you know you knew you just knew because yeah. to do what you've done is not an easy thing you know there's a setup here that has to be in place you know there's there's health and safety there's there's ventilation there's a whole I mean this is what you've done here this space if I can describe it somewhat it's kind of a kind of your place is kind of a almost farmhouse like you've got your house at the front and you've got these these lovely brick off yeah. buildings at the back they're old stables these two there this you building go, is yeah there you go so and you've done it beautifully it's it's the room's decked out you've got the wet room floor so it's open shower you know you, you you've done a cracking job off the back of a float not you, <laughs> you just needed to do it didn't you clearly yeah, yeah you know. I needed to do it and I haven't mentioned as well but also I'm, I'm a a heating engineer I'm a plumber mm-hmm. I've been I've been a plumber for 10-12 years and been in the building trade and been on site so I kind of knew how to do it mm-hmm. um, and as as luck would have it I got some inheritance from my mum which then helped do this so in a way it's kind of like yeah uh, our biggest customer the customers that come through are kind of middle aged ladies that are on antidepressants that want to get off it and find relief you know that's that's a lovely thing to hear that because I I'm never sure of who's floating. Yeah, you know? no one is. That's the beauty of it. I'm never sure of it. I mean, I as we mentioned before, Calm Water that you mentioned, Nick, Nick Parr, the the guys over there. That's that's where where I began floating, 
um, and that would have been probably 2012 or 13, somewhere around there. And similar to you, I came across John Lilly and Leary, and the catalyst for me was actually Joe Rogan. Yes. I, I, I listened yeah, to yeah. an episode of the Rogan podcast, and he was just... Oh, I mean, he has been... Adamant that this thing was like... And I just thought, I've got to do that. If that yeah. does... You know, we need to do like a seven-minute rant about, listen, this thing is going to change your world and I thought yeah. I've got to find it same thing I googled it and I was like oh it's up the road in Nottingham and what I did find was as I have done with you Kieran is that Nick was just this beautiful cracking guy hang on a sec should we, should we uh, let me just stop the session I think someone's floating <laughs> hey, pause let me just cancel the float sorry that's okay Okay, we're back. We just had a uh, quick pause there because while we were discussing the wonder of the float tank, <laughs> it struck up in the background there. So we are back. We're back. Comfortable. So yeah, I was I was talking about Nick at Carmore and yes. what, what, a, what a cracking cracking guy I came across. And again, a musical background. He actually taught uh, um, access to music in one of the boroughs in London. Did he, he really? actually taught Dizzy Rascal. No way. And That's so amazing. I do my first float and I come out, you know, and I had a great first float, actually. Okay. Um, you know, and I came out straight away kind of like with that, just the, the universal gleam, you know, that's what I call yeah. it. You know, everything I looked at, I was just... Post float glow. Yeah, just the positivity. I was just looking for smiles, you know, sending smiles and uh, talking with Nick and it, and, and it became a chat about, you know, how we've ended up here. And I remember saying to him, because he had a book on the side, where people would maybe write about the float or, you know, it was my first float, my 10th float, and it was great, this happened, that happened. And saying to him, you know, who, who does float? You know, who is floating? You know, because he's got, I think he had two pods up there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went through a whole a whole list, you know, and I knew that the sports teams, you know, the England cricket team are using up there and uh, a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. But he said as well, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who are, just trying to find the space in the mind but it was always a bit of a variation so it's interesting to hear you say that people are recognising I guess that's that's some years ago now I mean it's six seven years ago yeah and when we talk about the YouTube boom and the whole kind of social media now and the amount of information that's moving you know and the science that's happening mm-hmm. and again Rogan talking how I mean, he has done they've yeah. been popping up everywhere Rogan the float labs is, yeah Rogan is the catalyst for or the wider the wider yeah. I mean like I mean I've got I'm starting a CBD brand next month down to Brogan really because a lot of CBD companies target float centres because they know that comes hand in hand of course people are interested in it I must have had about five CBD companies call me the past couple of months really yeah that want to get on board and it, which is great but it's kind of like everyone's everyone's got their own little Rogan beacon well yeah and I mean <laughs> and, and, and like, much like music everybody wants to say they saw you know Kings of Leon when it was, yeah, you know, yeah. before long, Sex yeah. on Fire. Yeah, we had a long, you know, yeah. But the thing is, is, I mean, Rogan himself, you know, he's just at the forefront of of this thing, of talking, just talking, exactly. without censorship, without agenda, just talking. Yeah. And it so happens, like yourself, you know, he's quite a character who sort of puts himself into something and destroys it. And oh my God, Inside out, it. rinses it, you know, <laughs> and the floating was something that, 
you know, and let's have it right. You know, like, the guy's, he's a bit of a brute, you know, he likes to do his martial arts and, yeah. you know, and he, he crosses that, he's that crossover, I think. You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, when we mentioned spirituality or holis- being holistic, it's kind of a bit woo. Mm. And a guy where, like Rogan, who's, can connect to the, to the, he can connect that, that way of thinking, it's, it's felt like with a float, you know, he's made it appealing to somebody like me. Definitely. You yeah. know, I'm a lad's lad who's got, you know. Yeah. He sells it. Is it yeah. It, and it, and it, I thought, well, I've got to try that. Yeah. I mean, if I can try that. So again, coming back to you saying there, you know, that now, some years later, you've got middle-aged ladies who are maybe suffering with, you know, postnatal depression or whatever it may be mm-hmm. that have got that knowledge, now understand that this this thing's really useful and helpful. Yeah, and I didn't... I'd love re- to hear that. Yeah, it's great. It's beautiful, man. And I, it's something that I really didn't even think about, to be honest. I, I was generally expecting, you know, athletes, people who do triathlons. Um, one big thing, actually, is business owners. We have a lot of people who are really busy they've only got like an hour spare a week and this is their downtime you know mm-hmm. which like you as well mm-hmm. you're busy you run a you know run mm-hmm. a business you've got a house full of kids <laughs> you run a, such a full wholesome beautiful life that it's precious that time and it's important to recalibrate mm-hmm. and people when they start returning they do feel the benefits that they can get out of it but it's 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 beautiful from my point of view because i feel like in a in, in a really strange way I'm kind of healing my mum. Whenever I get someone yeah. who's about 40 or 50 coming through and they're, they're struggling a bit, they've got mm-hmm. a bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes perfect sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a nice full, in my head, it's like a nice full turn. Like they leave really happy. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's someone's mum that's going to feel better. And your mum's watching it all happen. Yeah. You know. Singing away. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Rattling the glass from the heavens. <laughs> Yeah, man, for sure. Well, but it's. uh, I think that is a beautiful place to bring this home. Yeah, what a beautiful full circle that is, Kieran. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for this today. No, this has been amazing, and we're going to come back and do this again because we. I I know in the short time that I've known you, I know there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, we need to. Yeah, it's a lot more for us to talk about. We will pick this up, but what a lovely full circle ending that was. That was beautiful. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you for you, man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Chew the Chat podcast. Thank you for listening to Chew the Cat podcast. Chew the Cat. I want to say my own words. Go on then. Very angry. Well, how sweet and lovely and personable is Kieran. What a lovely lad. He's one of those people who just makes me want to work harder at being nicer. Um, do excuse that episode. I'd uh, I'd used some quite a strong CBD oil, and then done a ninety-minute float, and it was actually the first episode that we did. And I was a bit excited, and a little bit spaced, and yeah, so uh, I was a bit eager, but really enjoyed it. And as you can hear there, Kieran's journey. He's such a sweet lad. Um, that's why I wanted to choose the uh, the track that I did track now at the beginning because I think when that track kicks in knowing what you know now about the bands he was in and the music that he's played the variations of the styles and everything I think it really captures that but more so is just his energy you know when you meet Kieran and you've just heard him there he's just so sweet and lovely but to hear that power and that 
there's a, a real edge to that tune and I really enjoyed that um, I'm looking forward to it when he announces that he's going to release some stuff because he has got music to release and uh, it's come from somewhere deep go deep so thanks ever so much Kieran that was amazing um, sponsors we'll thank sponsors we should also thank uh, Pod Bible. I didn't get to it in the last intro because I was blabbing and I don't want to do that this week. So big thanks to Pod Bible. We went down to the Issue 7 launch party at the King's Place in London and we met all the team. Stu Whiffin and I Am Ad and Scroobius Pip and Brett Goldstein and just wonderful, lovely people. Um, Gail Porter, who gave me a lovely warm cuddle and lovely words of encouragement. That was really nice. So that was fantastic. Pod Bible are, are, are right behind us. Uh, they've just shared a feature this week at the time of recording. We've just had a uh, an interview feature go out on their blog post. You can get that at podbiblemag.com. We'll be sharing it on our socials as well. But they were just asking us questions about this podcast and the inspirations behind it and what do we think about where the industry's going and so on. So it's interesting. Thanks again to Pod Bible. Check them out. Get over, read the magazines, find yourself some magical new podcasts. Uh, podbiblemag.com sponsors obviously go deep I don't need to say too much at this point I think Kieran nailed it at the end there Um, it is, it's a wonderful thing and he's obviously a lovely person so give him a call hit the website, 10% off when you use the code CHEW and bring that into your life I promise you, you won't regret it it's a busy, crazy, digital life we are living and to get in there is, is wonderful also, our other sponsors, Cryolab, lincolncryolab.co.uk. Again, a wonderful, wonderful addition to feeling good and staying strong and staying healthy. Three minutes in minus 145 degrees and you're going to boost your body you're going to send your blood into your core it's going to think it's all over it's going to go straight to your vital organs and you're going to have to bite down and you'll get through it in three minutes zooms by and you have a weird sensation and then you'll step out and that blood recirculates in your body and it's recharged supercharged blood it's fantastic and you will feel great and you will feel a bit weird at first you're going to want to lay down you're going to want to run fast you're going to want to you know expend energy but it's it's, it's yeah it's some trip so lincolncryolab.co.uk for the cryotherapy a three minute jaunt 10% off with the code word chew go and find the guys at Function First Academy down on Dixon Street in Lincoln if you're local um, but it's worth travelling like I say athletes and Many people are, are, are travelling far and wide to get to use this kind of a facility, which is normally, you know, only available in the big, big sports development centres and institutions. So, yeah, we're really lucky, especially to have that here. So get yourself over 10%, linkincryolab.co.uk. Okay, co. Next week's guest, next episode's guest, I should say, is Miss Saskia Schule. She is a Swiss yoga teacher who teaches at Hot Pod Yoga as well as various projects of her own. She's a travelling energy machine of positivity and just warmth. Um, And I think you're going to love that episode. She's got a parent from South Africa and family in South Africa. Uh, Grew up in a little village in 
in Switzerland uh, and then went on a pilgrimage to Bali and ended up in, in the UK. And it's a, it's a really lovely story and she's such a warm presence with lots of wisdom and just, yeah, the good stuff to share. So that'll be in two weeks' time. So take care of yourself, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Tell a friend, share a link, spread the love. Let's build this gang up. Really appreciate it. Take care. See you next time. Peace. (laughs) 